Right. So the dominoes to that extent will sure. continue. Yeah. They will. But we yeah. have um, a pretty pretty comprehensive process that is representative of the communities in which we hire for principals and mm-hmm. the timeline, and uh, we're putting that together. So Steve Sherlock here for Franklin Matters, Franklin Public Radio, anywhere on the internet, WFPR.FM, and in the local Franklin Mass radio dial, in the car, at the house, wherever, 102.9. Here in the school superintendent's office with school superintendent Lucas Jaguer. Lucas, good day. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, Steve? I'm doing well. All right. Thanks for, thanks for inviting me back on. There are a lot of things happening, and we'll get into that. But let's start with you just had the February break. Does it Did it feel like a break, at least? Um, it. I did my best to unplug. I did find some time to get away with my family, so that was really time well spent. So, yeah, it's... Uh, I, my memory of it is fading each each uh, each hour, uh, but definitely it was it was good to take some time um, to do that and spend uh-huh. some time together. So yeah, I hope, I hope you had a, a nice break as well. Since I'm retired, it really <laughs> it's a different life cycle to yeah. that extent. Um, every sure. day I get to make a choice as to what I'm going to do, and I've got plenty of options and plenty more things happening with what's going on with the schools and the town there's just sure sure i still don't have enough time to that extent right right (laughs) but thinking back to the break at least um in my corporate world i was definitely remember that a week was good but it just never was really enough no (laughs) you just by by tuesday wednesday it was like did i ever go away last week what was it right right (laughs) Two weeks, on the other hand, tended to, you know, it took a little while for that kind of feeling to really dissipate because yeah. you, you clearly you got back into the swing of things, but it was like, oh, yeah, that was good. <laughs> yeah, I think you get wired and conditioned to a schedule right. and, and um, the, the busyness of work and life, yes. um, certainly, yeah. so I can, I can appreciate that. Right. And for the listeners... The last time we talked, we had also spent some time on your day of the superintendent. And it's a full day, and it's got a variety of stuff. And we'll touch on at least some aspects of that, not so much in the day, but in terms of the kind of the ongoing themes here. Mm-hmm. Um, so redistricting, that's still one of the major topics, a major set of, and actually two public forums are scheduled. As we hear, as we're recording this, one is tonight, the other one's coming, so hopefully you'll be, you'll be able to at least hear this and then participate in at least the one. But then, even after those, the school committee still is going to have to do their discussion, et cetera. Correct, correct. So um, just to be clear, we have tonight, it's, uh, it's March 7th as we speak. Tonight will be the first in-person public forum um, for community comments and questions. Then next week is an online uh, forum the same it's, it's a virtual option it's the same meeting to provide an opportunity for our mm-hmm. our community to, sure. to to weigh in in different different ways um, yeah. if they can't make the meeting um, and then we have a staff q a um, session planned for uh, the 15th i believe we've re- rescheduled it for right. so it's definitely been busy uh, when we think about that um, tonight our goal with the community forum is to really walk through the story map. So last week I sent out a letter to the community, to staff, and to Mm -hmm. families regarding the updated story map. And uh, previous to that was an invitation to kind of talk through redistricting. Where are we? Where is this going? What are the details? So we've provided the information 
um, in the options. But just to just to kind of walk, kind of zoom out a little the, bit. Look at talk more of the process. The yeah. dates and times. The details right. may change, but so, the process is really where we can spend some time. On sure. Yeah. So uh, basically, just to recount, uh, we talked a little bit about this last time. We uh, the the charge of the school committee was to conduct um, um, a thoughtful analysis of our district and redistricting. Mm -hmm. There were, uh, that was really in the fall when we first started school. And right. then you may remember that we started to put together in October a team. Yes. Um, we spent the summer really looking at who could help us with this analysis. So we had vetted through the proper procedures mm -hmm. um, a consultant uh, group. And we, we landed with um, a consultant group called Applied Geographics. Right. They've come in and helped to kind of shepherd us along. It's what they, they do. Yep. So um, just to kind of talk through uh, a little bit more, we put out an invitation to all of our community members to see who would be interested to serve. Um, we had a, a decent uh, return of mm -hmm. people who were interested. You know, based on the information and, and who uh, had uh, who we received information from, it felt like uh, the right move at that time to um, allow those folks to come on we had mm -hmm. a, a sizable number but it was good i think for the uh, the sake of transparency and bringing people along yeah and we've had meetings with that redistricting analysis advisory committee is what they're called correct we've had multiple meetings with them from october all the way through february right um and they were healthy discussions at least with all the ones i think I, I don't think i missed one in terms of recording it so people have an option to listen to the audio recordings and again when people when you did the kind of the table sessions mm -hmm. i didn't record those because right you had four table groups going at the same time so it didn't really make yeah. sense to have a clean audio it just would have been kind of crazy right but at least generally you came back in a kind of an open recap session so I got the forward portion, you know, the the charge, the overview, the charges to what they were going to discuss, and then the recaps. Right. So it makes sense, and hopefully people will be able to follow along as to how you developed what you've done, where you where you are today. Right. And I think if they if they choose to listen, you can hear that. And I think we, the the power of bringing a committee together and not just doing this in isolation was the opportunity along the way to create some checks and balances and some touch points. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, a decision around any type of, you know, adjustment to boundaries or next steps in a further analysis, whatever um, the outcome is, it's ultimately the school committee's decision. Correct. But what I was charged with was to make sure that there was a process in place that engaged um, the community, used the information, and worked with someone, uh, a consultant that works in this area, mm -hmm. to provide um, them with information to be able to make that decision right. thoughtfully with the right information. So, because yeah. it's a lot of detail work, clearly with the demographics and the building blocks and the census tracts and the data right. tracts to to say, okay, well, where are we? Where could we be? <laughs> right. So. Um, so the goal, that's the, the charge, was to really look at our enrollment and our balance among the district. You may recall um, there was a closure of Davis Thayer, uh, which I know you're fully aware of. You covered that right. at that time sure. in 2021. And uh, the students were moved to Helen Keller Elementary. Um, and that's definitely created more students at Kel uh, Helen Keller right. uh, when you move the whole school. So sure. part of that was to assess that and analyze yep. that and look at what's the sustainability. Mm -hmm. The second piece of this was really to look at um, our enrollment over time and look at the 
enrollment looks like it declines and then does come back up um, later on and around 2027 ish. Right. right. But it starts, still doesn't come back anywhere near the peaks that we had had before, which is one of the right. real considerations is okay, it will come back a little, but what do we do in the meantime? Right, right. What do we do in the meantime? And I think we, um, you know, the charge was to kind of really look at this. So, mm -hmm. um, where tonight, I know that uh, AppGeo will cover some of the scenarios and how we landed there with our right. current enrollment, future yeah. enrollment, and what it, what it looks like for everything from next year into the future. Right. So um, we did a lot of data gathering up front. We then started to look at those building blocks, those components is what they call them, mm -hmm. um, and tried to look at our town in general. If you were to come into this town and start to make sense of where are your physical buildings located, where um, does it make sense to start to create neighborhoods? Where are the neighborhoods and where should those neighborhoods feed logically? Mm -hmm. sure. So there's one thing with redistricting I would say is there's a pragmatic, um, logical way you can look at it, mm -hmm. but it's not absent of the emotional component. So oh, it's, really. a, it's a bit of a, of a technical and adaptive mm -hmm. problem, if you will where we have to look at there are feelings involved, there are um, humans involved um, with these things. So there's yeah. a lot that has to be done. And I think yeah. that's as much, that's as important about this process as uh, any other component. Data is data, but it, in this particular case, it reflects people and kids. <laughs> <laughs> And their their natural groups are not necessarily captured in the maps in some way, and that's where sure. the uh, community involvement was able to say, well, this neighborhood's really closer to this one, et cetera, et cetera. So, right. So the redistricting advisory committee, uh, anal redistricting analysis advisory committee, right. um, provided a lot of feedback on some of those uh, components in those areas. So, mm -hmm. um, we were appreciative for that group. When we started the process, we tried to anchor the discussion in order to think about this from the lens of if we just were going to re redo maps we don't need a lot of people involved we probably could hire a consultant redo maps and go right but we thought it was important to look at well what are our guiding principles as we make decisions sure and then develop those as a group um, we have representation from all elementary and middle schools mm -hmm. and some high school if they have multiple students sure we yeah. have um, our building administrators from the elementary and middle yep. participating we also have uh, teachers, faculty, staff, mm -hmm. and community members on this committee. Right. And we were able to develop and come to consensus around the areas that we're trying to really think about. The first was geographic proximity, right? School assignments, thinking about where does it make sense for an address, a school, an address, mm -hmm. which is someone's home, sure. to attend a school. And yeah. it makes sense, we had shared agreement that you should be attending a school that's in proximity to your house. Sure. I think that's across the board. In kind every... of the general neighborhood concept. Right. Yeah, if it's in my neighborhood as opposed to going across town. Right. That's that's the idea. That was one consideration. These yep. are principles. Right. Um, the next is um, instructional slash building capacity. So can you accommodate the students you need and utilize the space you have to meet the needs of all kids? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, our specialized programs or in-district programming um, all students in instructional spaces and making sure that you have the ability to do that equitably across all of the elementaries, particularly in sure. three middle. Balancing enrollment, obviously looking at um, basically the size of a building and what it can fit mm -hmm. and having the appropriate number of kids distributed across. Right. And then minimizing impact to individual families. Uh, we recognize um, that 
to do the math is one thing, but we had a recent closure at Davis there. Sure. So um, there was definitely a voice within our community that spoke around. They've already had to make one move, consideration mm -hmm. around um, any other additional moves. Taking special care of those, how whatever that means. Right, right. right. And then finally, uh, fiscal responsibility. Really making sure that um, as we conduct this analysis, we're, we're mindful of the management of a facility, the instructional programs that exist within it, the student services and support and faculty and staff and other factors, transportation, all of these things factor into obviously this mm -hmm. piece. So, sure. so those are basically the, the big ideas of how, where we've been and what we're going to do tonight, which is really lay this out, walk through again our timeline approach, why redistrict, why, why conduct a redistricting analysis, I should say, mm -hmm. and then um, share the three options that the committee, with the help of a working group that worked behind the scenes to kind of gather information mm -hmm. and, and tee it up for right. the committee, which were uh, done on Zoom and in person, um, to try to help us get to a place where we can present these to the community, get feedback, get um, questions, comments, answer what we can in the moment, but know that not everything can be answered if it's detailed or beyond what we can do on the spot, mm -hmm. get back to everyone with whatever the answers are, Sure. and then ultimately try to take all this and synthesize it and come up with recommendations for the school committee who ultimately have the final vote on whatever decision we make. So there's a lot in there. <laughs> and rather than dwelling in those, because I think between tonight and the next week and the archive you've already got on the redistrict analysis page, right. we'll just point people to those. But I and think the, one of the other key factors gives us a nice segue into the other major thing that's happening and starting is there's a fiscal analysis piece of this which leads into the budget Correct. and you're starting your budget piece now um joint budget subcommittee is this week um you've already put together kind of through your own internal processes and then previewed to the school committee budget subcommittee last week where i participated and heard that so that process train is now moving it'll continue on your track if you will through the school committee side of the process but it starts intersecting with the town side it does it does so so just to kind of broad uh start broad and narrow in we conducted a workshop with our school committee in november yep. um, and it was a budget workshop to kind of talk through what were some of the priorities and since then our central office our building principals and our budget subcommittee um, we've worked collaboratively to look at the budget mm -hmm. in developing this sure. and put together um, a superintendent's recommended budget, which we are preparing um, as part of our process to present to school committee um, on March 14th right. is the date. Um, without getting into some of the details, we're still working out. We have a budget sub, uh, we have a joint budget subcommittee tomorrow, as you mentioned, right. um, that includes our FinCom and our town council and our school committee. Um, who will participate. So, yeah, the Joint Budget Subcommittee, for those who may not be aware, is four town councilors, three from the Finance Committee, and three from the School Committee, as I recall. Yes. Um, and Council Chair Tom Mercer, coincidentally, is also the Joint Budget Subcommittee Chair. So he will walk through kind of the charter of 
what's the joint budget sub subcommittee? Because it's three different committees being represented. Sure. And then obviously the town, and I'm assuming Miriam from the school side as well as yourself from the school side will be there as well to, okay, what's the overall plan? Jamie just put out his uh, draft model, I think is, he, is what he called it. Because um, it's not really a budget yet. It's kind of a framework for a budget. Mm -hmm. For those who are aware as well, uh, Governor Healy, because this is her first term, right. she gets extra time. Generally, the governor's budget is done by the end of January. She got an extra six weeks. Yes. So things are a little bit off because it's her first term. Correct. So, you know, those, to a certain extent, it doesn't really matter much, with all due respect, because what we're going to get from the state is probably what we're going to get from the state. Some dollars are going to change a little bit, but we already know, or at least have a good idea. So right. Jamie will put that in, and then as Governor Healy does her thing, the House does their thing, the Senate does their thing, those numbers will continue to get rolled in. And as the FinCom budget comes through its hearings in May, and then the town council does their final budget in May, um, that's where we'll, the, the final details will be determined. But in the meantime, it's going to be just kind of like discussing at that subcommittee level with you and FinCom and town council, understanding a little bit more in each of your spaces. So they'll understand what you need. You'll understand better what they're going to provide, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And of course, FinCom will be in the middle because they do their deep dive analysis which on behalf on of the December council, 7th. which you did yeah. in December. Yeah. So they got an exposure to that. Sure. So, yeah. So, so yes, you've. Thank you for summarizing. Uh, that's that's exactly what people can, uh, our folks can anticipate. Um, I know just dr drivers for our budget mm -hmm. are. You know, we're really trying to look at the the complex complexity of programming. Um, in our schools today right. versus prior decades sure. is different. So that's a driver that we have to figure out how we can best meet the needs of the students in front of us today. Yes. Um, we continue to have pandemic recovery, both academically, um, emotional, social, emotionally, and financially. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've been fortunate over time to receive some grant funding. Those continue to um, be funded, but then have expirations. Right. And That's the OPRA and ESSER funds ESSER, that yes. people are, may have heard. What is OPRA? What is ESSER? We don't right. have to spell it out right. here, but those, but that, are, those, those are the are, funds. Yes, and there's funds, and then there's dedications to what those funds will be used for, and then those uh, continue to kind of trail off. So right. the other thing we do is we're really, the driver is to keep um, an eye on our student populations and the changes and keep reasonable student-to-teacher ratios. Correct. We also look at um, contracts. I'm in the midst of negotiating four contracts currently. We settled the teacher contract in the spring. Right. Um, those are part of our budget, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, salaries are a major part of a school's budget sure. across the country. I think if I recall, it was what, between salary and compensation, kind of the benefits package, it's what, 88, 89%, right. something like that. Yep. So there's not a lot in the budget other than people. Because we're a people business, uh, you are. and we, you know, we need we need humans to to educate or younger and, humans, and and that's where it becomes a little bit more challenging because the nature of the classroom. I mean, it's not the classroom that I went to school with. It's not the classroom effectively even my kids went to school with. With kind of the the image of the one teacher and the twenty kids in the class, sure. you've got maybe one to twenty in terms of a ratio, but because of the inclusion process with special ed and your tiered support, 
you've got other professional, educational professionals coming Correct. into the classroom to support the teacher. Correct. And it could be, you know, 18 to 24 uh, students, depending on the ratio, but mostly um, we really try to keep those ratios up to the, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're aware of that and we keep an eye on that. I right. think I would want to say that on this podcast, um, it's just that we pay attention to that. Yes. But we also have students arriving in our schools and we want to make sure we're providing an environment that is educationally sound, it's in the best interest of kids, but is also fiscally responsible. Because mm -hmm. I think you can do, they're not mutually exclusive. No. And I think uh, I certainly understand that and can, can appreciate that and respect that as well. Um, with that said, uh, you mentioned um, intervention. We have students who, we had a presentation in our last school committee from our right. uh, math yep. interventionists sure. to talk about how all kids, this is an interventionist for all students, but really to look at it from a skills-based level down to if Steve struggles with fractions and I struggle with percentages, mm -hmm. I'm getting intervention on percentages and I'm getting right back into the, to the, the tier one general instruction. Right. And we're looking at it in terms of um, where are you at with that particular skill as opposed to identifying someone, <clears throat> a student who needs intervention. Mm -hmm. It's like this is what we're focused right. on on that day. And that takes support. And it takes us, it's really a model that we've seen success with for kids across the board. Um, and then there are other pieces to it as well. We have special education. Correct. And so if beyond the tier one, two, and three support, there is still something, whether physical, uh, academic, whatever, right. accommodations are required, that's where the special ed, IEP, uh, individual educational plan, et cetera, those come to play. Right. And then we have, we have staff that are specifically dedicated to make sure that we're, you know, we are meeting our moral and our, you know, legal obligations around supporting kids in school mm -hmm. to learn. Yep. Um, just a few others I would mention. Obviously, we have mandates and regulations we're expected to follow. Right. Um, we are also uh, making some critical investments that we think will have um, some long-term promise and uh, re academic return on investment. Mm -hmm. So um, without getting into too much detail at this time, um, those are things that the school committee can certainly expect to hear, and then um, later on we'll be presenting right. that out for Right. So I think the overall guidance is a number of years ago when Superintendent Ahern was here, we went through, the, we collaboratively meaning, because I know I was part of one of the stakeholder groups that previewed, but the portrait of a graduate, which effectively from that perspective, and I've seen it, if, so anybody who has even seen any of the school presentations mm -hmm. uh, recently, they're always that kind of the circle of the portrait of graduate with the key principles and how it's driven all the way through K through 12. So you've got that one mindful approach uh, that focuses everything. And then I think even tying into the um, pandemic recovery, to the extent that you've got the tiered approach, if somebody is behind specific, no matter how, how or why they're behind, they're being addressed on a subject by subject basis. We're building that model. So um, to be clear, um, we've moved it forward. You can't do everything all at once, but yes, the intention here is a multi-tiered system of support applies for, for all kids in all, all mm -hmm. areas. And we are slowly building that. Right. As, as, uh, as fast as we can to do it well right. um, at our elementary, um, in our middle level, mm -hmm. and at the high school level. Um, sure. They look different. 
but certainly um, the, the nature of the student, the nature of the instruction, sure. classroom support. Right. Yeah, there's differences at each of those three levels, but you still are providing the support as required at each of those. Right. So, and I appreciate you mentioning the portrait of a graduate because you'll see in, in future budget presentations and the executive summary, um, like we call that out specifically. We put mm -hmm. that in there just to kind of show like how we make decisions. I really feel like when you have a, we, we have a very strong system. I'm proud to work with the folks that I work with here and proud to serve in this community. Right. And there are some really strong systems in place and we're continuing to improve the ones that need more attention. Sure. But ultimately we try to tie what is our goal for our kids and our families and our staff mm -hmm. to tangible goals and then how do we meet those goals with actionable steps that you can take that are measurable right. and for accountability and ultimately the next stage for me is to say how do we tie and make sure and tie our budget priorities to those goals so that everything is working in concert and you can see the through lines and mm -hmm. I think that's the that's my job. And then the other piece I think we mentioned and or at least touched on, but then being explicit around too, clearly you've got the tiers of support and then if special ed is required, special ed clearly costs more. But I think as a district over time, and that's one of the things even going back to the redistricting, you would have analysis from Castle Blues, if I recall, in terms of the facilities, but it didn't fully account for the growth of some of the in-house programs, which you've continued to expand. Correct. And for benefit of the people, the in-house programs are effectively delivering those special ed services at a lesser cost than if that service was sent out of district. Now, there still are some out-of-district placements that for either the number and or the nature of the services required, you can't yet do in-house. But for those you can do economically in-house, we're saving significantly uh, with that step. We are. I think when you think about out of district placement, um, it can it can range, um, mm -hmm. and sometimes it's appropriate because right. the needs of a student, like you said, are it's required are it, required, and it's the right thing to do, and it's what we what should be done. It's required at the end of the day. Sure. Um, but ultimately, when we can create a program or have a program within our district, it first off allows a student to remain in their community, mm -hmm. educated uh, among their peers. Right. And uh, the other piece of it is it's a it's a fiscal it's fiscally responsible when we can provide those supports to do them within the district as right. well. So right. there's kind of a twofold to that. Sure. But I wouldn't want to under um, underemphasize the need of for everyone has the right to belong and feel as though they belong. And when we create spaces that are inclusive and create programs that allow our students to access um, a school and a community, I mm -hmm. think it's in everyone's best interest. And I think all boats rise. Yes. When that's the case. So yeah. with that said, yes, and we are fortunate to have the programs we have. There is a cost to having in-district programs, but there's a greater cost when you um, have Put to them set. them all out. Right. And uh, that is certainly an area where there is uh, some savings. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's one of the, if you will, kind of less talked about. I know you've it, it raised even in the FinCom deep dive, but quantifying that difference mm -hmm. I don't think has been well recognized. Clearly, you within the school committee have seen that, but right. sharing that with the public hasn't really been as well known. And that's what one of these conversations is trying to do. Yeah. And, and surely that'll be picked up as you go through the joint budget and the other hearings later, you'll have you know, the numbers and the factors, the impacts will be better Correct. shared going forward. And as I enter my 
this budget cycle. Uh, I'm certainly learning a lot through the way too, right? There are certain areas of this position where I came in and I felt like I had a strong foothold and mm -hmm. there are other areas that I continue to grow in and learn and um, this is an area where I can already see some things that um, we would want to include as part of our story. We've covered a bunch already from certainly the redistricting which is major which leads into the finance. We've touched on it some other topics within that as well. Um, from day to day, especially as we're now in March, uh, the winter sports are closing out. The last playoffs are underway, but there's been a significant level of accomplishment just from the high school sports perspective. Yes. So we don't necessarily need to list them all, but there's a bunch of accomplishments there. And related to that as well, I think MSSA, MSAA as opposed to MIAA, but the cheerleaders are advancing as well. Um, the, sw the girls' swim team did mm -hmm. dynamically. And then even on the, uh, the theater front. Yep, you uh, took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> so we're one where f our extracurriculars, our sports, our athletics, mm -hmm. uh, our clubs and activities, and our, Deca. our programming, I was going to say, our, just our programming that students participate in. We're fortunate every, every area our students earn success. Right. And we have really strong adults coaching and leading sure. uh, these these groups and are really dedicated uh, to what they do. But I can't I can't say enough. You've mentioned athletics and we have a bunch of winter sport teams that have moved on into playoff contention. Um, some have gone very deep mm -hmm. um, and their seasons have ended, but I've been fortunate to get out and, and see a lot of the, um, the the athletic performances, the theater performances, and music performances, and I'm just blown away every time yeah. I go to one. Yeah. Um, music, theater, cheerleading, DECA. Uh, we had a Journalism of the Year, a Journalist That's of the right. Year yes. award, yes. Um, uh, Ryan Martin. And who also broadcasts for TV and radio. So, there we go. so your colleague, him. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, almost a pseudo colleague. Uh, so we have just on all fronts students just earning success, and it's really exciting. So we're we're lucky, and um, yeah, it's exciting times. It's tough because there's a lot of evening events and meetings. Mm -hmm. So I try to peel off and get to as many sure. things as I can. But we're um, all the things we mentioned beforehand. So that's why you're busy. Yeah, <laughs> but that's also why you get up in the morning. That's There's a right. lot of goodness going on. Right, <laughs> right. So, yeah, and we continue to just work through. We're already planning. Obviously, we're planning for our budget season, right? Which ultimately is next for next year. <clears throat> for next year. But we're yeah. also planning. I talked about that system idea of how does our budget support our goals, and we're mm -hmm. continuing to look at our goals for this year. Try to process that. See how far we made it. Did sure. we meet our goals? Did we not? Yeah. And then what are our next steps to kind of move the work forward and right. really try to build out processes, engage our teachers and our staff in the process as well mm -hmm. um, and try to work through that. So it's been it's been busy. It's been busy. Yeah. And, and life in all its forms certainly is dynamic. And I believe you've been doing some hiring as well. Yes, we've been doing some hiring. We have uh, some retirements. Uh, our HR director. Um, is retiring and Lisa Trainer, and we were able to hire her replacement. We've put out um, a notice to our uh, community, our school mm -hmm. community, around that. So we're excited uh, to bring on uh, someone new who will be coming on. I think a, a more formal announcement will come, but we're we're timing all those things. Sure, absolutely. So, yeah. um, and then our we have a posting our exceptional school business administrator, Miss Miriam Goodman, mm -hmm. um, is retiring, and yeah. we've posted that position out publicly. 
And uh, we, I, I just want to take a moment now to just say how uh, appreciative and grateful I am for her leadership, mm-hmm. her fiscal stewardship right. over 15 years in Franklin Public Schools just as a dedicated person with integrity yeah. and just has done a phenomenal job to lead uh, a very, very critical component of mm-hmm. our operation yeah. and to do it the way she has. I'm right. appreciative. No, I, I agree because she, I remember the night she interviewed and it, there's, a, there's a little side tidbit so we'll take a little story there so the school committee seven members had 14 questions two pe- two questions per person for those 14 questions for that night and she was one of i think two or three candidates i forget exactly that doesn't matter those 14 questions school business administrator interview questions still to this day if you do those terms still bring people to franklin matters and that goes back to, I think it was February or March in 2008. So what? a long time ago, <laughs> those questions. And if you think about it, English is fairly popular in terms yep. of languages in other countries. So people from Philippines, et cetera, have found those questions. No kidding. That were done back in 2008, of which she then successfully answered them. And then, yes, and I've seen her through a number of meetings and budget updates, et cetera. The numbers may change, but she's always got an answer. She may dig deeper into her her book to get the specifics, but she always has an answer. She does. And I would like those questions, please, as we move forward. (laughs) I know where to find them. I'm kidding. (laughs) You could very easily find them. Right. But, um, yeah. (laughs) Right. It's a cute little story. Um, right. I, I right. get to share it once in a while. <laughs> but it'll be in her, her in her memory, those those questions will still be there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And we um, we recently hired our STEM director position. That's okay. a position we've had in the district. We left it vacant. It was Dr. Rogers, my assistant superintendent's position. Through our search, we were fortunate to appoint one of our seated elementary principals, Mr. Eric Stark, for that position, mm-hmm. and uh, he will be uh, transitioning to that position in July um, at the new at the mark of the new fiscal year, which means that we have an opening at so, Keller Elementary, which we will begin that process. Right. So the dominoes, to that extent, will sure. continue. Yeah. They will. But we yeah. have um, a pretty, pretty comprehensive process that is representative of the communities in which we hire for principals and mm-hmm. the timeline, and uh, we're putting that together so that we can... Um, take the next steps to find um, the right person for that role. Right. And from a process perspective, at least as I've seen it, you've got a process to bring in the key stakeholders to find the right person. You've generally found the right person because of the way the district overall, you know, at each of the schools, each of the levels, clearly as we've talked, it's performing. We. Thank you for saying that, because I feel like our processes around these things, we really try to stick to and do well. And, and uh, you know, we're invested in making sure that we put the right people in the roles. Um, and we'll kick off the, the, the Keller principal search, for example, with um, a listening opportunity with the staff. Mm-hmm. What are they looking for? Sure. And then, obviously, we'll have a screening committee that's representative of staff, students, and, uh, right. fa- and, and families. So... We're um, prepared to go down those roads, and, and you know, there's a lot of positive things happening across our district that I'm proud of, and we continue to try to get better every day and work on things. Um, and it's just, it's a, it's definitely a time in education where, you know, student 
mental health, student behavior. Mm -hmm. We talked a little bit about academic intervention, but I'd be remiss if I didn't talk a little bit about just behavioral intervention. And we've yeah. seen an uptick in behavior the social across emotional schools. learning and that kind of right. mental health, etc. Yeah. Right, and behavior, negative behavior, can often manifest itself in uh, from some social emotional issue or sure. a conflict among kids, right. which is on the uptick. And yeah. we're doing everything we can as a school to try to create environments that are orderly and safe. And um, But every day, um, students come in and we're putting a bunch of young people, you know, pandemic or not, in buildings mm -hmm. to interact. And the, con the way we resolve conflict, the way they resolve conflict are areas that are that we need to continue to try to teach and focus. But I also think, put my parent hat on, I think we all need to work together to teach our kids. Because it's all, I mean, it's a, it's a circle. It's, it's You're coming to school to learn, and then adjusting is a process, is a learning process, and sure. it takes a village, literally, <laughs> in order to make that entire process work. And some may require some attention more than right. others from right. time to time. So. Right. Yeah, it's 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 dynamic, but it's it's moving. <laughs> it's moving, and we're we're moving in the right direction. We just have um, to kind of stay the course and mm -hmm. stay focused. So good. Well, thank you for taking some time today. I know you're rather busy based upon <laughs> what we just covered in the last thirty minutes or so, and more to come. So I'll recommend folks to certainly, if you haven't already subscribed to the school news alerts, tuned into a school committee meeting and or one of the subcommittee meetings. Uh, anything on the redistricting side, uh, the school page certainly is a go-to point to be an entry to get the subscriptions, to get what's updated. And then in all else fails, work through, especially for parents, work through your school. Uh, I believe we talked also about your communication process, mm -hmm. that the front line should really, you know, people should talk to their teacher, school building principal before coming to not to not come to the central office but just work through the channels appropriately <laughs> correct correct and that's really an, an as as a way to just get people um the answers they need for the people who are closest to those issues it's really about just trying to to, to stick to that so i appreciate you reminding um folks of that because that's really ultimately it uh, as a parent with my own children i do the same thing open up your email email your teacher that question mm -hmm. and then that's like the first step that even even i'm taking um, right. because it's just part of it and i think it helps um helps us get to a better place yeah well thank you again for taking time and for the listeners thank you for listening come back stay tuned and quick reminder we do this because franklin matters we are now producing this in collaboration with franklin tv and franklin public radio this podcast is my public service effort for franklin but we can't do it alone we can always use your help how can you help if you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. And by the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.